Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. This, the second episode we have dedicated to the maritime history of Africa. Today, I'm exploring the skeleton coast of Namibia. I came across this as I've recently been working on a new double-page spread for the latest edition of the Guinness Book of Records, and they asked me to produce some new world records on the subject of shipwrecks. I've always been fascinated by the idea of shipwrecks in unusual places, and probably the most unusual place for a shipwreck to be in has to be the middle of a desert. Which brings us to the fascinating location of Namibia's skeleton coast. Here, the Namib Desert runs right to the sea, and over the centuries, the sand dunes have grown and the shoreline has moved further away as the desert reclaims the sea. The result is that you have shipwrecks surrounded by desert. If you don't believe me, make sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook and you'll see for yourself. To help understand the rich history of this extraordinary place, I spoke with Elliot Mower. Elliot has been involved with maritime archaeological projects since 2008, with the discovery of the Bom Jesus shipwreck, a Portuguese ship dated to the 1500s, discovered during diamond mining operations on the coast of Namibia. Elliot went on to study maritime archaeology at the University of Bristol, something I also did, so we are academic brothers. Elliot then worked at the Orangemon Conservation Laboratory, where they conserved the Bom Jesus wreck, and now works at the University of Namibia as a lecturer. His current interests lie in the indigenous underwater cultural heritage of Namibia, which includes canoe-building traditions, venerated sacred underwater sites, and pre-colonial fish traps. And he is working to raise awareness among the local population to take pride in their heritage while at the same time offering those sites protection. It's all fascinating and very important work. But that's enough about him. It's time to hear from him. As always, I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoyed talking with him. Here is the excellent Elliot. Elliot, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. It's a pleasure. It's an honour to be here. Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, well, 
Let's start off. Um, tell us about your wonderful country for those who have not been to Namibia. I suspect there are quite a lot of people listening to this podcast who have not had the pleasure. Yes. Well, um, Namibia is a country in southwestern part of uh, Africa. Um, it, it was, um, well, it's a vast country um, geographically and um, historically it has been colonized by uh, the Germans from the late 19th mm. century uh, up to the start of the First World War, it was 1915. Um, and then um, subsequently in 1919, uh, as a consequence of the Treaty of Versailles, it came under the um, influence or rather uh, mandate uh, of uh, South Africa, which was then a British colony. So um, on the mm-hmm. geographical side, well, it is a vast um, country, like I said. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, some uh, pundits and have likened it to the UK, like the uh, size of Namibia, in other words, the size of the UK itself can be um, compared or gets in Namibia like the geographical space four times over. So it's, it's quite big. However, wow. <laughs> however, it's, uh, it, it's not all that really habitable uh, because it's one of the driest country in the world and the driest country in, in Africa. Um, so it's very arid. Right, the driest yeah, country. it's very arid. Uh, the southern part and the central part of Namibia it receives less than 215 millimeters of rainfall, the average rainfall annually. And uh, only the north and the northeastern part receives above 600 millimeters um, average rainfall. And it's mm. um, historically has been uh, habited by uh, indigenous people, which means the coastal part of Namibia is, um, yeah, has virtually been um, vacant of, uh, uh, or void of any human uh, contact for a very long time. Even though there are some, some areas, particularly uh, along the mouth of, um, or the estuaries, some of the um, uh, the the rivers, the ephemeral rivers uh, in Namibia, because most rivers anyway, they are, they are given the fact that it's arid, they are ephemeral. They only flow during the rain season. So at the mouth of these rivers, like the Kwisab River, uh, which is nearby the settlement of uh, Valves Bay, which was uh, I think a British colony, uh, it remained a British colony actually. It, it, even after the whole country was uh, colonized by uh, Germany. So at the mouth of these uh, rivers, there were um, uh, few uh, indigenous people who inhabited these areas. Uh, These indigenous community have uh, lived in these rivers according to archeological evidence um, that have been uh, unearthed um, by, world-renowned archaeologist, uh, Dr. Uh, John Kinahan, uh, as well as Jill Kinahan. As a matter of fact, they are, they are a couple, one of the, um, the first Namibian archaeologists. Uh, so they have um, an earth, some evidence, archaeological evidence, in the form of um, uh, bones, animal bones, in the form of uh, pottery, um, and, and, and uh, 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 whale bones, um, among others, uh, in addition to uh, beads uh, that were actually exchanged 
uh, in, in uh, with the Europeans or the seafarers ah. uh, in exchange with um, with with livestock. What, what yes. sort of date was this? Uh, that was uh, the pre-colonial mm. uh, phase or period. That is prior to the eighteen eighty-five period. So we are talking about. Um, um, around about the 1700s and the early part of the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as a matter of fact, throughout the, the contact period, that is um, starting with the expedition of Europeans uh, along the coast of Africa, uh, such as Diego Cao, yeah. uh, and as well as Bartholomew Dias. So, so 15th century Portuguese. Around about 1500, yes. As a matter of fact, Diego Cao, the first um, Portuguese um, explorer to have explored uh, the furthest part of uh, Southern Africa, um, he erected a cross uh, at a, a place which is called Cape Cross today mm-hmm. along the Namibian coast. So that was the furthest um, uh, destination he, he reached with his ship before he returned back. Uh, to central part of Africa, so um, so ever since that period, that contact period, um, some Europeans have documented seeing indigenous people along the Namibian coast, mm. and it's likely it's along these uh, rivers, these mineral rivers. So they have had uh, contact and uh, trade had taken place uh, between the Europeans and the seafarers. Of course, um, the in, in the form of um, um, livestock, and 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 they would exchange with European goods such as tobacco, um, um, uh, wine, and um, and uh, and other European goods such as ga- guns and beads. So uh, beads, in particular, at this particular um, site uh, along the Crystal uh, River, the mouth of the Crystal River, where an F uh, during an ex- archaeological excavation. And uh, these are dated to the 17th and 18th century. So there has been that contact between the indigenous people and the European throughout you know, the 16th century all the way up to the colonial period. It's, it's lovely to hear sort of stories and evidence of, um, of uh, interaction between um, Africans and the Europeans. Uh, because so much of the story of the skeleton coast of Namibia is is primarily about disaster. It seems to be about shipwrecks. That's right. So um, again, it goes back to this um, contact period because um, the early navigators, especially in the initial um, navigation or rather the initial voyages uh, to the coast, including uh, the ones for uh, Vasco da Gama, who discovered uh, India, ventured too close to the coast, uh, they, they were in the danger zone of uh, hitting shoals or rock, rock outcrops. So that uh, really contributed to the uh, foundering of many European uh, ship, uh, ships. I've read that it's very, um, it's very misty as well, and unpredictable currents, very strong surf. Um, is it a particularly dangerous coast? Well, um, it is. Uh, the mist itself, yeah, it is. It is uh, can be quite overwhelming for first uh, first time um, uh, sailors who are not really familiar with the coast uh, because of the the uh, the desert 
just to begin with along the coast uh, it, during the day by by um, uh, the natural processes it's it's quite hot mm. uh, and uh, there's this um, this natural phenomena i mean fog mist of course it's a, it's a result of um, uh, hot air and 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 and, and cool moist air uh, like at the Namibian coast, it's the Atlantic Ocean. It's quite cool as a result of the Benguela, cold Benguela currents that are flowing from the uh, Antarctica uh, or from the South Pole. So when this cold air blowing over this cold ocean meets with the hot air from the interior, uh, it creates this fog uh, condition or misty condition that is always constant uh, throughout the year. Mm. So, so, so that also um, contributes toward the re reduction of visibility, and also uh, during during winter, there's um, episodes of uh, storms because uh, the climate in this part part, part of the world is um, uh, dominated by the Mediterranean uh, climate. Uh, that really dominated, or that is uh, characterized by winter rainfall. So during winter, there's always uh, coastal um, rainfall or uh, storm, so to say. Yeah. So that also contributed to the uh, foundering of many of the shipwrecks. And I suppose that the, the dryness of the uh, environment now means that so many of those ships that are founded are still there. Do you have a sense of how many shipwrecks there are on the on the Namib Namibian coast? Well, um, according to uh, to research that have been conducted by one of um, the organization in Namibia. It's a non-profit uh, organization that is really, really keenly interested in preserving uh, the Namib uh, Namibian uh, uh, shipwrecks and uh, coastal uh, heritage. Um, they approximate the number to round about um, 300 or so the documented ones. Mm. Those are the documented ones uh, through uh, records, through literature, uh, as well as through um, field work. But there are still a lot more that are not uh, documented. So prox approximate uh, plus 300 shipwreck have been uh, documented so far. Yeah. From the mouth of the, um, the Konene River in the north, where Namibia borders Angola to the mouth of the Orange River in the south. Amazing, amazing number. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And a large number of those, those documented wrecks still sort of survive physically. There's physical remains of a great deal of them as well. Can you tell us about some of the wrecks that still survive? Oh, yes. Um, there's still a, a great deal of um, shipwrecks that have been documented. Um, one of them is um, uh, the Eduardo Bolan shipwreck, which founded in 1909. It was a German um, uh, of well, German origin. Uh, it was a ferry ship or boat that was used to ferry uh, people from uh, the, the settlement of Swakopmund. By then, it was, of course, dominated by the Germans. It is still visible at um, up to this day. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most popular shipwrecks uh, in Namibia. It's found 220 to 160 kilometers south of the town of Barvis Bay. I certainly, I certainly know that it's um, it's in the desert. I mean, the photos of it are quite extraordinary because the sea is many hundred meters away from the wreck. Is that because the coastline has moved? Oh yes, um, the land is being uh, built up, or rather, the land is being uh, claimed from the sea uh, as a result of the shifting dunes or shifting sand. This deposition, of course, it continues um, further north and. Um, uh, as a result of this process, that's why Namibia has one of the uh, the largest or tallest dunes in the world. Mm. It's certainly an extraordinary landscape seeing those vessels uh, in the desert. And I suppose it means that they've had, or ships like the Edouard Bolan have had a, a new lease of life. And, and um, I know that those shipwrecks themselves then become tourist attractions or have been used for a whole variety of reasons. Oh, yes. Um, as a matter of fact, um, the Edward Bolan itself, it's a major tourist attraction, like I said before. Uh, and uh, that has sort of um, helped the, the, the local tour operators, as well as the Ministry of um, or the government, through the, 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 um, the relevant uh, established installations along the coast, where they would, um, of course, charge for, for interest into the skeleton cost. And um, of course, this is where the Edward Boleyn is also found. So yeah, it has become, become a really major tourist attraction. And uh, mm. of course the government has, uh, has benefited and so are the, the, the private sectors as well. Yeah, I saw that it was used as a film set um, and it's been used for modeling and uh, various documentaries have been filmed there. Oh, yes. Uh, that was in the 1960s or 50s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was used as a set for one of the films uh, called the film, Hollywood films. Um, and of course, I think in recent years, it might have been used one of the Hollywood films as well. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, yeah it's, it has become um, one of those um, sites because uh, given the nature of where the shipwreck itself founded, it's uh, a desert. 
it's just a vast expanse of uh, dunes, endless dunes, um, and uh, nothing really is, is there. Virtually, there's nothing. And for tourists or for for one to see such a, a human um, uh, invention uh, in that environment, it's kind of a bit surreal. Yeah. Let's talk about the other activities that have been going on the coast. Um, you mentioned whale bones with the indigenous community. So is there a, a tradition of whaling along this coast? Uh, not, not necessarily. Um, most of the whale bones came about as a consequence of the, um, the revival of the, uh, the whaling activities that were conducted by the American whalers in the 19th century along the Namibian coast. They would uh, get on shore or ashore, uh, and uh, they would, uh, uh, of course, trade the, with the indigenous people uh, for to refresh to refresh their uh, their supply. So they would trade with livestock, and in exchange, they would give them either guns, tobacco, um, or, or rum alcohol or uh, or any valuable especially beards because uh, yeah. the indigenous people they really love beards so then in exchange also they would give them this uh well because uh, all they, they would do they'll um, extract uh, the the fats from the well I, I believe it was used for lighting or candles something like that uh, and, 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 and after extracting the fats from the well, then the carcass will be, will be discarded. And this will either wash ashore by itself, if they will dispose it in the water, or they'll give it to the, uh, to the indigenous people uh, who inhabited the Nambian coast. So that's sort of like has been the historical narrative uh, of the origin of those well bones. And others have been, of course, a, a result of natural causes. Wells will die in the in the sea, uh, probably as a result. Some as a result of uh, suffocation, uh, because we're talking about uh, the uh, the Orange River. That uh, so, when it will be in full flood, uh, it will of course flow into the sea with all these debris and 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 that is sort of like uh, suffocating uh, to to wells of marine mammals and the wash ashore. So there are several causes for that. But historically, there have been American whalers, but also there are natural causes. And indigenous people have been um, yeah, taking that to their advantage and scavenge on this. And the other activities I've been reading about, um, sealing and also guano collecting. So with, um, were these uh, significant industries along the coast? Oh, yes. Um, especially the guano trade, even though it was very brief, lasted for 1940s if I'm not mistaken and by the 1950s there was virtually no uh, guano left so the guano trade uh, began like I said in, 19, in the 1840s apologies, uh, by the discovery of guano on, um, uh, on one of the islands in the southern part of Namibia on the coast of course by the, um, the British uh, and then this prompted uh, the so-called uh, the guano rush. So many ships or many um, traders uh, in in UK, especially those who were uh, trading in um, fertilizer and and, um, and 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 manure, 
they rushed to the coast of Namibia to um, extract this guano that was that was reported, and um, and by then already I think it was in either Costa Rica or one of the South American countries. Uh, the British had already um, harvested some guano there, so this was prior to that. So the discovery of this guano on the Namibian coast, of course, become, became uh, a sensation by then. And um, yeah, so hundreds, if not thousands of ships uh, came to Namibia and harvested this guano, which was, uh, they're saying it was uh, tens of meters thick. Wow. And uh, by the end of the 1850s, after just a period of less than 10 years, mm. um, it, was all, it was all gone. Yeah, it's amazing how much the landscape must, must have changed. Um, now, before we go, Elliot, just tell me a little about uh, Lake Ochikoto, because um, you have a, a really fascinating story of some maritime heritage, which is not by the coast. It's very much inland. So tell us about that. Well, um, Lake Ochikoto, it's um, an ancient lake. It's a sinkhole lake, of course, that resulted as a result of the collapse of um, the top layer of the rock. Which exposed, of course, the uh, the sinkhole. So, um, it, well, it's an ancient rock uh, sinkhole um, lake, and um, along that particular lake, uh, there have been some indigenous people who lived there. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it was the lake itself was revered as having some supernatural attributes by the indigenous community. But then, uh, in particular, what is more interesting uh, is the historical uh, uh, record, uh, especially with the arrival of the Germans uh, in the eighteen, uh, in the late nineteenth century, basically. So they used the lake at first to extract water for for the mining for the copper mines that were located. Just a few kilometers from the lake itself, uh, in the near the town of Sumeb today. So they, that was sort of like the source of water, and uh, they established um, a steam engine, uh, or rather a, a steam um, water pump, uh, that right there near the, the lake itself. And then um, at the beginning of the First World War in 1914. Uh, there are thousands of weapons in there that were dumped in there, including some war plans. Uh, there's one war plan that, at least from a historical point of view, has been recorded having been um, uh, dumped or scuttled into, into the lake. So, um, yeah, most of the weapons that were used by the Germans, they were dumped in there before they surrendered to the South Africans. So up to this moment, those weapons are still at the bottom of the lake. And uh, a major uh, tourist or uh, dive tourism, so to say. It's amazing to, um, to think that it's still there. It'd be fascinating to go and, um, go and have a look. So um, and finally, tell me about the, the state of the maritime heritage there. I'm, I'm guessing that because the coastline is so remote and so rugged, that a lot of it is um, it's quite safe where it is. Is that fair to say? Well, in terms of um, safety, how safe um, uh, the maritime heritage is in Namibia? Well, 
it's fairly safe, yes, from human um, uh, uh, elements, uh, because the Namibian coast is one of the jealously guarded uh, coastlines. Uh, because uh, south of uh, the town of Ludris, which is found um, 300 kilometers from the uh, the border with South Africa, up north, um, that particular area, that whole um, uh, area is actually under um, under the custodian of the uh, one company, which is the NAMDEP, is a conglomerate of uh, the Namibian government and DBS. So there's sort of like dam on mine going on there for 300 kilometers. So that whole area is cordoned off. Well, listen, um, thank you very much indeed for sharing me this story. I'd love to come and visit your country and to find out all about this wonderful maritime heritage. Uh, so thank you for sharing the story today. Okay, now thank you so much, Mike. Thank you all so much for listening. Now, please make sure that this isn't the last thing you do to enjoy the content that we produce. We have a huge back catalogue of fascinating episodes to explore, from great naval battles to shipbuilding, ship models, exploration, maritime art and literature, famous heroes and maritime disasters. Please also do check out our YouTube channel. It's quite simply brilliant. There are numerous innovative videos that present the maritime past in an entirely new light. My current favourite being an animation of a wrecked midget submarine from the Second World War on the shoreline of Abilady Bay in Scotland. Please also remember that this podcast comes from both the Society for Nautical Research and the Lloyd's Register Foundation. You can find the History and Education Centre of the Lloyd's Register Foundation at hec.lrfoundation.org.uk and the Society for Nautical Research at snr.org.uk, where you can join up. And please do. There's a free level of membership, but if you're willing to part with a small donation, you get a huge number of benefits, one of which is our winter lecture series, where you can enjoy being entertained by some of the finest maritime scholars in the world. So do please find out more and join up at snr.org.uk.